Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Advancing Man Project show. I've got my friend who I haven't uh, connected with in a while, Matt Bettinson, on here. Uh, Matt's wife, Lydia, used to come to the gym that I ran in Nashville, and that's how I got to know him many years ago. Um, from the time that we were around each other very often up until today, um, we've had three kids between <laughs> the four of us, between Matt and Lydia and, and my wife and myself. And um, Matt was born and raised uh, in Leicestershire, England. He's been in Nashville now for 13 years, married 13 years, has two boys, uh, Charlton and Harry. Um, and they're how old again? They're 10 and 7. Is that right? Correct. Yep. And Charlton's Matt, 10 next month. Yeah. And Matt's an aspiring actor. And I put out the call on Facebook a few months ago or a few weeks ago looking for for people to talk about specific topics related to fatherhood. And Matt replied back that he wanted to come on and talk about, among other things, we'll take this wherever we go, but among other things, trying to balance the way that we were brought up because you're 45. Is that right? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. You're 45 and I'm, I'm 54. So I'm balancing the way that we brought up the era that we were brought up in um, and how parenting was done then versus what we know now about it is going to be something that we we definitely talk about and how things have changed. Uh, but we're going to go wherever we decide to go with this. So, Matt, appreciate you being on the show. Welcome. Good yeah. to talk to you again. Yeah, thank you. Likewise, really good to speak to you. And I think we we worked out it was probably 10 or 11 years ago. Well, 10, 11. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right, because that was right around the time that uh, I moved away from downtown Nashville out to the country and started uh, closing down everything that I was doing in that area. Yeah. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about how you wound up in the States, how you wound up in Nashville, just a, a brief little background. Yeah, thank you. So um, my wife, uh, Lydia, and I uh, went to school together in Leicestershire in England uh, when we were about 15 and didn't really know each other. And the, we found that out by 16 years later on Facebook, we reconnected and understood mutual friends and then had a, a refresh that oh yeah we did kind of know of each other at school and uh lid was already here and i was in uh leicestershire and we just kind of chatted and communicated quite a lot online skype we were using skype remember skype Where's i remember skype gone? yeah skype so, is skype is the myspace of, of it, video communication now. It is. skype's in the corner just head in hands um, but yeah, we, we communicated a long distance and then we got married in the village where Lid grew up and where the, where my father-in-law still lives. And, um, and I moved over here and, and that was 13 years ago in September this year. So it's, it's been a whirlwind really, especially as I look back at, at photos and see that I didn't have gray hair before children. It's quite interesting. Although my boys call it white hair. So, um, they get locked in the closet quite a bit. Not really, as a joke. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been a whirlwind now. And um, we became US citizens in December 22, which was uh, a good thing to do just because, uh, obviously, well, not obviously, but our boys were born here. So they're natural US citizens. And then we um, we did that step, that long process. Uh, and um, it's a good feeling to be part of it because important time to to be a citizen uh, for obvious reasons mm -hmm. yeah yeah um well getting into the uh, um the ideas that we talked about both before we saw each other today and also before i hit record on that um 
let's talk about balancing how we were grow how we were taught growing up versus new things like like I've said multiple multiple times that part of what I want to do here is to help guys to break and replace generational cycles of you know conflicting beliefs limited thinking just just stuff that doesn't make sense to pass on to their kids you know things they don't want to pass on to their kids so what um what what type of generational cycles or, or, or thought processes or any, however you want to word it, have you broken yourself based on your realization of, of how things, how you want things to be um, having kids? Yeah. I th- and I don't think I've broken any or, or been successful in, in any to sort of like overcome because I, I, I kind of struggle. So I'm always trying, but one, one that um, sticks out is uh, just the notion of, eating and, and making sure that you clean your plate or have a clear plate for example and i remember uh i was with uh, one of our boys at the doctors and i and i described that i want to make sure that our children have clean plates um otherwise they've not eaten enough maybe or mm-hmm. they've wasted food or whatever and the doctor just replied brilliantly um and said well you know some of the notions that or some of the things that we were taught or instilled into us when we were younger aren't always applicable now. Um, And it kind (laughs) of, it was a really polite way of saying, you got it wrong. Um, It's not always going to be like that. And um, maybe you should think of uh, doing it differently. And it was so, so poignant um, from how he said it. So I try and adapt that and and try, and I do try to um, not get kind of bogged down with the idea oh you've got to do it this and you've got to do it that and um because i think that's how we were growing up uh, how mm-hmm. we were brought up you know how we were growing up that um it would be a waste of food or you've got to have you've got to eat this and you've got to finish off this before you can go and do that or whatever so uh, a lot of it's just a case of just chill out a little bit matt and relax a little bit um and allow things to go um, um i think that's the one that sticks out I'm glad you brought that one up. I think that of the 10 or 12 of these episodes that I've recorded interviewing people, you're the first person to bring that up as a topic. And is it's it's a fascinating and remarkably important topic. I was brought up yeah. the same way. Um, okay. We did not waste food. And what right. I realized looking back on it is there's a couple of things that are in play there. One, my parents were, were very much... Um, um, blue collar, work hard, be honest kind of stuff. And they were also very scarcity minded. Like we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And so yeah. if you didn't eat it, then you were literally throwing money in the trash was the wow. way that they thought about stuff. Um, and running parallel to that is a family history of diabetes and, okay. and aunts and uncles and grandparents on both sides of the family who were enormously overweight and eating habits which were centered around things that were made with white flour a lot, you know, because that's, that was what was affordable. So that all kind of um, bonds together there, but the whole idea of cleaning your plate, um, make sure that you eat enough, all that sort of stuff. Once I started, you know, thinking about those things in terms of, uh, of, of being a parent, it shined a big, a big light on my upbringing for that. And I'm like, okay, these are things that were programmed into me. This is why I was a fat kid. You know, my parents made some steps in in 
correcting that for themselves. And, and none of and neither one of them were diabetic, but you know, there was a lot of that still on both sides of the family. And, um, the real thing that it brought me to with my son was understanding that I can either teach him the scarcity around that. Let's not waste food. Yeah. And I can attempt to impose my will on him. You will eat this or, or we're going to, you know, this, if you don't eat this, then you're not going to get breakfast tomorrow. It'll be this, you know, the, all of that kind of, <laughs> all that kind of stuff, um, which it's food, dude, let it go. Like, like, yeah. like, how would how would that work if it was if it was two grown-ups but also deeper and more important than that related back to my time in the strength and fitness world is the important skill for the kid to learn here is to know their body right body saying i'm still hungry is your body saying i'm full because if your body's saying it's full and i'm forcing you to eat I'm causing a lot more damage than, than whether or not you have enough calories to maintain growth and development. So, yeah, um, I think, um, I'm glad you said that because when you were talking just before you said it, I was thinking there's something else that I need to add and I'm not articulating it very well. And then you, you've, you've said it there. So thank you for that. But the other thing that's really important for, from what you just said is that there are other things going on or maybe you're doing more damage and that, that's the big thing, I think, from when we were growing up. I believe that if it wasn't visible, then really we didn't know there was, or parents maybe didn't know there was a problem. So, for example, if there's more damage that we we know that there's more damage that we're doing now by forcing your child to eat, for example, but we can't see that damage. So right. we you know, it's like we're a bit really simple that we can't see it, so we we don't think about it. Um, and really, I think my wife may have said this, um, that, all right, so if a child is not eating everything on that is on the plate, how about stop to think, maybe give smaller portions? Like what you're saying, they're getting to learn their body. Um, and if it's done the other way and there are smaller portions, and then that's plate is clean and they ask for more that's a better thing yes and it's it's just that mindset and and one thing that um i think is really important as well and it's uh, quite a close thing to me is mental health and we kind of touched on it with the 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 challenges that we're not seeing and that maybe the damages that are happening because we're forcing i mean i've got this vision now in my mind where you're just forcing food into the child's mouth. Go on, eat it! Don't want to waste food. Well, don't make me so much then. I mean, that is the simplicity of it. But right. The mental health aspect. Um, for example, I think, and I could be wrong, but years ago, again, I'll use our era as a, a reference point for, for a generation, if you like. If there was something, um, if someone was challenged with something mentally, there was a stigma. There still is a stigma now, but less, hopefully. Um, so this idea of, I mean, a lot of people talk about, oh, just put them in the corner. They're in the corner. Um, don't deal with it. Oh, look at them. They're weird. They're strange. Well, that's really awful. We should be a little bit embarrassed by that or, or a lot embarrassed. But um, I have this notion that I think is stuck with me that um, this idea of getting help, getting help for one is a, a thing isn't it like oh i don't need help i'll get on with right. it um two if there's a help or support that is needed chemically 
have this this concern about it this concern of putting chemicals in our body to get us along with this idea that we're we're addicted or we're stuck on chemicals for the rest of our life and i'm i'm being really broad in that description yeah, of course yeah. but again my wife uh put it in a way that um if you have a broken leg or a broken bone you're going to get help to get that fixed but again we can't see this mental health problem so there's a struggle to understand what that fix needs to be. Um, and it might be a chemical thing. It's fine. It might mean that there's an imbalance and we've got to just up that so it's at a balance or at a level. And, you know, I had this interesting conversation with um, my eldest brother that was found deceased last January. Um, the assumption is that he took his own life and um, lots sucks, of regret. Man. I didn't yeah, know that. Thank I'm, you. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, lots of regret um, from various people, um, my brothers in particular. So I've got three, uh, two brothers left now. Um, a lot of regret in terms of, well, should we have done something? We didn't know. Did we know? Well, he was a pain in the backside to communicate with, so we're never going to know. All these different things, and there's a lot deeper bits to it. But I was speaking to um, his friends that came to the funeral. And he was 54, so he would have been 55 this year. So I was talking to them about um, the idea that I think he needed support. He needed help because he was, he, he was low. He was so low that we didn't even know. So low that he couldn't communicate how low he was. Um, and combined with that is a bit of pride, dignity. Uh, and then this kind of idea, what I just touched on, that I don't need support. I'll get on with it. So I, I said to one of his, uh, two of his friends, you know, if, if either of you are struggling with mental health, what would you do? Because I think that you're in the mindset of, ah, I'll get on with it. Whereas I might be closer the other way of understanding that there, there could be some support there, whether it's chemical or whether it's talking to people, counselors, therapists, whatever. Um, and one of them said, yeah, I think I'll be all right. I think I'll get on with it, which is just a uh, an example that that mindset is really challenging to to change for that kind of age, fifties, mm -hmm. um, mid fifties, whatever. Um, unless there's an exception. So, Dave, you said you were fifty four. Four. So you're in a different way, and I think that's because of the the exercise and the industry that you're working in. I think that was that really it's important because it complements and supports that mental health naturally. But generally, I think that kind of age um, is in that mindset of, nah, I'll be all right. I'll get on with it. Rub some dirt on it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I find that really interesting. I find it interesting too. And I, I firmly believe that that attitude is is pervasive across every culture really that i can think of right yeah. um where we are men we fix things we don't ask for help we don't need your help i can handle it all that sort of stuff i think and and i have nothing to back this up other than my own observations but but yeah. i think that that begins when children are younger than my son is, who's five now, and it's it it's born out of a place of the child is crying and 
there's this sort of unspoken thing that my job as a parent is to make this child stop crying. When really, and like, even as like, you know, a little tiny infant, just, you know, days or weeks or months old, um, the baby's crying. We got to make it stop crying. And, and, and there's, there's a bit of missing information in there that, that is the baby is crying and that is its only tool for communication to let us know that it needs something. Right. So what does it need? We provide what it needs and the crying will stop automatically. But yeah. somehow that's evolved into, I have to stop this baby from crying. And yeah. I think that, that that's occurred generationally for God knows how long to the point that, especially among men, that when men hear a baby crying, if we grew up in a way where we weren't allowed to have that voice or yeah. you know, we get a little bit older and it's, you know, rub some dirt on it, get up. It's just a scratch. You're a tough guy, you know, yeah. which ultimately leads to men don't cry, which yeah. ultimately leads to, um, to suppress every emotion that is uncomfortable or unpleasant, except anger. Anger is permitted. Why is that? Well, it's, it's because that's a manly trait to go be <laughs> aggressive, right. To go, to go, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it's tied to the, to the idea of the role of being a protector is what I think. Mm. And which I think, which I think is okay, to a degree, right? Sure, but um, it's but, really interesting. You, go on. But but if I'm sad or if I'm afraid, and the only way that I will allow myself to express that is by being angry and then yelling at my wife, or you know, picking a fight with someone who has nothing to do with anything, instead of just understanding that okay, I'm not really angry, I'm afraid. Or I'm not really angry. I'm sad. I'm not really angry. I'm depressed. And and anger carries with it this feeling of powerfulness because because it's expressed outwardly rather than me sitting here wallowing in my misery. And yeah. and I think that that it's no surprise to me that there is a a huge correlation between like anxiety, depression, suicide, all of that sort of stuff in men in our age and yeah. and other ages as well. But you know. We're expert on our age group, right? Because we've lived it. Um, I don't know what it's like to be 25 right now. You know, I can remember yeah. a time before the internet. So I, I yeah. but, but the issues are still there and, and the stuff is still there. So if we're taught from a very early age, don't cry, push it down. You're a tough guy. Men don't cry. Yeah. And then we can't express that in any other way. We either wind up becoming very angry or we direct that anger and it becomes self-hatred and self-loathing and we see it as hopeless and I can't fight my way out of this. So the world is better off without me is kind of yeah. where that it's winds good. up. And it's, and it's sad. And, and it I'm, is. I'm, I'm glad that this is part of the stuff that we're talking about because it's such a huge thing, like the, the societal expectations and how it affects men's willingness to address a mental health issue, much less their actual ability to go get it done, you know? So yeah, and it's such a downward spiral, and, and willingness is such an important word, isn't it? Because um, as I think about my brother, um, the last time I spoke to him, I can't remember. I think I called him on WhatsApp because obviously we're um, a, a international. Um, he didn't answer, and yet he responded the next day with a text. I thought, what the fuck? So, you know, I wasn't. So I'm making the effort. You've not made the effort. Anyway, so the regret kicks in from that. But um, if, for example, if, for example, I um, live close to him um, and said, uh, you know where I am if you need anything. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Those kind of messages are so so the opposite of the intent from the message because I think the intent when someone says that is is good, right? I'm, I'm here yeah. for you, but it's the wrong message because I believe that if someone is that low, lower than hopefully you and I can imagine, and they've received a message that says, let me know if I can help. That means that the onus is on that person to reach out. I don't believe that person's got the ability to reach out. Right. Um, and the willingness, that's far gone, um, sadly, of course, sadly. But, you know, um, one comment that I heard recently was, um, oh, children are resilient. What do you think of that? Absolutely. I think children are remarkably resilient. And I think that, I think that as parents, we often neglect or out of ignorance, just don't, don't take that into consideration. Um, I like, like we're at the stage with my son now where, um, he'll come home or, or it'll be the end of the day or whatever. And I'll just reach over and it's, it's time for him to change clothes. And I'll reach over and start pulling his socks off and he'll be like, stop it, daddy. I want to do that myself. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You know what? I I've been taking your socks off or putting your pants on for so long that that's just habitual to me. And you're big enough now that you can do it yourself and it's your body. You have a say so in when it's going to happen, you know? Um, so that kind of understanding that, that, Yes, they're resilient and they get more resilient as they get more independent is is vital to keep in, in mind because um, if we don't allow them to take risks, then they don't, uh, there's things that you can only learn through experience, right? Yeah. So yeah. so we want to keep them safe, but we also want to equip them to deal with, with things. So I, I'm, um, I'm fond of the idea of, of, dealing out safe and effective doses of fuck around and find out. Right. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Right. And, um, and, and if, if it's regulated like that, I'll create a safe environment for you to do something that's mildly unsafe. Yeah. And then you can, you can either have the victory or you can experience the failure and then learn how to have the victory next time. You know, and I think about that, like with, you know, we live out in the country, he climbs trees or, right. or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and I tell him going into it, I, I'm always, I'm all, I'm always here. You need help. Let me know. I'll help you. If you get up there and get stuck, we'll figure out a way to get you down. You're right. safe, but go explore, you know? And, yeah. um, um, you haven't heard this story, but this is from a few years ago and uh, he was probably three and a half coming up on four and we were at a playground and he was at the top of a slide and he got up there and he was all excited going up and he got up there and he looked around and, um, anytime he experiences, anything that's like fear or uncertainty he 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 relates that back to the sensation in his in his body he'll say okay. my, my my belly feels ghibli okay you know? yeah. and and he'll say i feel nervous i feel a little bit nervous and that's his sort of generic term for anything that he's uncertain or uncomfortable about which is great you know that's brilliant yeah and so he gets up to the top and i'm like what all right, all right come on down and he's like I'm feeling a little nervous about this. My belly's ghibli. And, and I said, okay, well, what do you want to do? You know, how do you want to handle it? And he thinks about it. And he says to me, is it okay if I say my, I am's and I'm like, absolutely. I, this is a beaming moment of pride for me and yeah. context for that. 
not every single night before he goes to bed, not every single day of his life, but more often than not, at some point, usually right before he goes to bed, we will go through a list of what we call I am's. And this started before he was verbal, before, you know, when he was very tiny, I would just tell him this and my wife would just tell him this. But it, when he started to get more verbal, it became something that he says himself now. I'm wow. smart. I am strong. Yeah. I am kind. I am brave. I can do anything. And then at about age four, he added, I can help people. And so he's on top of the slide and he runs through these affirmations and, and I'm like, are you ready? And he's like, yeah. And he comes down. It was joyful, big high five. And, you know, that was a moment that I could have just, just as easily said, uh, you know, quit being such a little baby about it. Come on down, toughen up, you know, all the stuff that we were talking about earlier, yeah. but instead of it being an, an external ex extrinsic motivator form, it's we'll an internal that. intrinsic motivator where he was able to, to look at his emotions, see the solution to it. And then do the thing that he really wanted to do, which was come down the slide. That's pretty amazing. That is. Thank you. Yeah. No, I bet you were beaming. I am. And, 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 and I don't say that in any way to like take credit for it. I mean, he did it, you know, it's just, I, it's one of those things that like, here are the tools and, yeah. you know, years and months of, of saying, saying these things to him over and over again and him sometimes saying them back or, or saying them together shows up when, when he needs it. And, and I feel good about that, you know? Yeah. I love that. Um, I remember um, from a podcast that I've been listening to, I'm sure it was from that, uh, the message was not, you can tell your children or loved ones that you're proud of them, great, but really, and I've started to do this uh, with my boys, is that they need to be telling themselves they're proud of themselves, which I imagine, as I, as I just said that, I imagine that there are people going, oh my goodness, come <laughs> on, get a grip, I don't care. But the point of it is, you have to be proud of yourself. It's only you that is going to know better than anyone else and monitor yourself. Um, and you know what? Let's give ourselves a pat on the back. We should. We should. Of course we should. And if you want to go really cheesy and a bit kind of sickly, love yourself. Absolutely. Right? Too right. I mean, if we did that, the, if we, what is the saying? If we did that and learned to love ourselves a bit better we'd all get along a bit better. Anyway, that's going down a different path. But I think the, the message of uh, make sure you're proud of your No, not make sure. Are you proud of yourself for that mm -hmm. achievement? I think that's really important. But getting back to the resilient comment, um, I like the resilience there that you referenced, but the resilience of the kind of throwaway comment of children are resilient. Um my wife, I'd said that to my wife because this comment was made and she went, yeah, but that's why, that's why adults are so fucked up because there's a thought that children are resilient. Oh, they'll get over it. There's a trauma ah. there. We've not addressed it. We've moved on. Now they're fucked up. And, I, you know, there's surely everyone has got uh, an element of that. You know, there's a trauma at some point. Yeah. But there's a resilient um, kind of thought about it and move on and now we're we've never addressed it we're we're still a bit uh traumatized from it so i think that's a really interesting thing um that's stuck in my mind now is to not assume that children are just going to bounce back because ultimately everything that we've talked about so far like um your boy with the slide thing and whether to push him or whatever it's just the balance isn't it mm -hmm. how far do you go 
how much do you you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really key in everything, of course. But it obviously more so, I think, for dads trying to get that balance right is so challenging. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and when you said the thing about resilient, I obviously you know the direction that my mind went with that. I wasn't thinking about it from a from a they'll be fine, they'll get over it point of view because it's like you said earlier that when we're talking about the the food stuff the the potential damage isn't necessarily observable yeah um, especially if it's something where that's like a pervasive attitude and it's something that happens every day or multiple times a day where some aspect of of this kid's life is is putting putting the kid in a position where they have to be resilient they have to to get through something that yeah. isn't necessarily healthy for them too um like i'm in a lot of dad groups on facebook and and topics about different ways to handle behavior things will pop up and and there's invariably the guys that come in and like well when i was a kid this happened to me and i turned out fine and i'm like but did you did you though <laughs> did you though because you're you're telling me that you think it's okay to hit a 3 year old you're, you're, you know, you're on here talking about how if, 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 if someone is a bully to your child, they're supposed to go kick that other person's ass. You're on here talking about how much you hate your job and how broke you are and how much your mm. wife's getting on you. Did you really turn out okay? Or did yeah. you just survive? Are you resilient enough that you survived it? And, and now you're, you're unwilling to ask for help because of the stigma that goes along with that. Yeah. I was just about to say that. Do you think and, they would ask for help? Yeah. And so you say that you want a better life for your children than what you have, but what are you modeling for them? Mm. Right. Yeah. But <clears throat> excuse me. So just go back to that. You said about, um, cause I think this is an interesting one. If your child gets bullied at school, mm-hmm. um, I believe, I think I'm in the mindset. I believe I am in the mindset that if one of my boys gets hit, maybe it's a bit like three strikes for that bully you know mm-hmm. if they you, you t- tell them leave me alone sure uh you tell them again and maybe you put your arm at a distance and then you tell them again and push them and i I'd, I'd like to think that after three strikes if they're not listening then they need a smack they need a hit not at, not my sons i mean the people right right i know what you mean what do you think about that cuz i don't know if that's right but in my mind, I don't want my boys to be walked all over. I want them right. to stand up for themselves. I don't want them to be a bully, but I want, you know, because in the big bad world, as we know, dickheads are around and mm-hmm. you're going to get hit. And I want them to have the ability to protect themselves sure. and hit back if they need to. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. I um. I am firmly of the belief, and this is based on just my own life and experience in various aspects of martial arts and stuff. I am firmly of the belief that if someone puts their hands on you, you have every right to defend yourself and that it's probably an appropriate thing to do in a case like that. Yeah. Now, having said that, if it's just some, uh, if, if a kid is doing that to another kid, that's not as as binary and cut and dried as it might appear to be. Yeah. You no, know? like like especially with 
things things are very different now than they were when I was that age. Like when it, when I was a, a kid, in, you know, fourth fifth grade, if something like that happened, you you met outside the bus after school and you settled it. And then whoever got his ass kicked admitted he got his ass kicked, and everybody went on about their business. But now the kids who get picked on and bullied and don't stand up for themselves um, have have the capability of coming in and shooting up the whole school. Right. And, and I don't think that any of those kids who have done those sorts of things have done those, have, have done those horrible things because they were inherently bullies. I think they were not listened to. They were not heard. They were just pushed down and beat down and beat down either at home or by other people or whatever that they hit a breaking point and they don't know any other way to handle it. So I, I took that like to its, to its extreme there. But if it's just if it's a matter of um, of interaction between kids, because, you know, my son's five now. And if someone pushes him or plays too rough with him or hits him either in anger or in playing, he knows and he will do it. I've seen him do it. Stop it. I don't want you to do that. That's not OK. I don't like it. Yeah. And then if if it persists, he will tell the grown up. Good. Um, it's the right thing. I yeah, think. It, it's the right thing. And as he gets older, of course, my intention is to provide him with the skills that he needs that if someone doesn't stop it or if there's not a grown up around, um, because if if two five year olds are having a fight and there's no grown up around, we've got bigger problems to, to, to talk about right now right? <laughs> than being unsupervised. But as he gets older, I want to provide him with the skills to be able to to defend himself while at the same time not hurting another person. Um, beyond whatever it takes to neutralize that threat right because that's the thing that that so often doesn't get talked about or even get thought about a couple of teenagers square off from each other and start smacking each other around it's real easy for somebody to to go down and hit their head on something and never get up again yeah you know um or or just being in a blind rage and and you know, you, you bullied me, you triggered my rage. And then I don't remember what happened next, but the kids in the hospital. Right. So I think it comes back to being a, a matter of emotional regulation and being in a state where, or, or having the skills where that if you're in a state where you're, you're feeling a threat like that and emotions are high and that energy's um, being aggressive that way that you can maintain calm. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, like we talked about just before that kind of topic was this idea maybe of of uh, resilience or child trauma that if that child you you meant you referenced it that if they just get pushed down and pushed down and pushed down that that's the example of being fucked up and we've seen that mm-hmm. too many times particularly in this country which is frightening for me coming from the UK where guns are not that prevalent and then here a stereotype if you like someone's fucked up and they've gone and shot something up mm-hmm. um i don't care what anyone says whatever that's a fact it happens yeah. right it's not it's not a theory it's not we're not in the the world of alternative facts are we that's that's the truth that's what happens so it, it's so interesting that it's a, it's a cyclical thing isn't it that there's a trauma it doesn't get addressed and then someone's fucked up and they've gone about the business in this certain way. Um, and it's not that difficult, is it? I don't think um, to address those things. I just think the inertia kicks in and we're scared of it. Yeah. Whatever that issue is like, and I'm not, believe me, I've got my, my, uh, my 
guilt's kicking in for so many things that I don't address, like we all are, but we're human, so we have to give ourselves a bit of a break. But um, I think most things are unnecessary that happen now because they're not addressed. That's my view. Yeah, I agree. And and I think that that a lot of that goes back to, um, I, I'm fond of saying that becoming a father is the biggest personal development journey that none of us knew we were signing up for. Right. Because the, the choices that we have when we're in that role is I can remain as I am and know that everything that I've got that's messed up, that I know is messed up, that I'm not willing to address is being absorbed and passed on to the next generation and potentially the next generation. Or, <laughs> or I can, I can shine the light of self-awareness on it and, and say, okay, this is uncomfortable. This goes back. God knows how many generations it ends with me. Oh, I like that. And, and I'm, I very often reference what I call the transitional character, right? That is the person who within the course of a single generation alters the culture of a family so yeah. much that yeah. every successive generation is changed by it. And that can happen yeah. for good or bad, obviously. But, you know, I, I understand that that is a thing and that it's a, it's a, it's a day by day process of, yeah. of being the man that, that I want to model for my son, you know, and, and as dads, we have the responsibility of, my son is going to very likely grow up to be very much like whoever I model for him. And my daughter is going to, if I have one, is going to grow up to see that archetype of, of masculinity as the kind of man that, that she's going to, yep. to be attracted to. Yeah. And, and so the real question there is, am I being the man that I want my son to be or that I want my daughter to marry? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think it's referred to as a cultural architect, isn't it? Where you you have the ability to change that culture and, and that, that kind of path. That, I have never heard that before, but I'm going to write it down because I love it. It's a really, I, I'd love to take credit phrase. for it. I'd love to take credit for it, but it was from um, the High Performance Podcast, Jake Humphrey and Damian Hughes, the cultural architect. So usually the person within a group as um saying things or doing things not saying or doing it's a combination um that are different in the culture and maybe just redirecting that culture in a certain way and of and generally um people are going to follow suit so I, I i love that reference as well the cultural architect yeah it's it's kind of the opposite like from what you're saying and like i said it's a new term for me it, it's kind of the opposite of adhering to tradition for tradition's sake yeah. You know, so, some traditions are important and, and I embrace them. Some traditions have been around for so long that no one's stopped to question whether it's a good idea or not. And, no. and I heard a quote, I don't know where this quote came from. I'm confident that I did not come up with it myself, but, but I, I love it. And it said, tradition is peer pressure from dead people. I like I'm it. Like, I'm like, well, that's powerful. Right. I mean, if we go back, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I grew up in the town where the Ku Klux Klan was founded. Yet. So if we look at that town and its tradition, if we go back 100 years, 150 years, 200 years, do I want to carry on those traditions? Absolutely not. No, is that Pulaski? No. Yep. Mm -hmm. Pulaski? Pulaski, Tennessee. That's right. 
Oh my goodness. Um, I was going to say something then. Um, I, when I became a parent, I felt like I had to apologize to every parent that I knew and just say, I'd had no idea. Um, you know, no idea. How of, hard can it be? Right? Yeah, exactly. No idea of what's involved. Um, and um, not that it's all bad, but, you know, it's it's, uh, it's just thought provoking. And I think it's because generally we want to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's it's very easy to get sucked into the the complaining about it, about how hard it is stuff, too, you know. But what I do for myself is we hear before we have children, parenting's really hard. Parenting's really hard. It changes everything. Your whole life's going to change. And it's really hard. Very rarely does anyone come out and say, look, there are hard parts to it. Yes. But the joy and the happiness and, and all of the love and, and all of that stuff that goes along with it. If you will pay attention to all of it, will completely overshadow yeah. the other parts. And so when I'm in the middle of, of a situation with a, with my son and you know, it's evolved through the years of whatever the situations are that could be hard or stressful or, or triggering stuff that is unresolved in me, you know, um, I remind myself, okay, this can be hard. And this is what the hard part looks like. This is what the hard stuff feels like. And another thing that I'm fond of telling my son is you can do hard things. Yes. And if I'm telling him that I have to demonstrate it. Mm. And, and my job, again, it's not to get him to stop crying. It's not to get him to stop feeling upset. It's not to get him to, to obey me. My job is to get, is not to create an obedient child is to create a, to, you know, to help him grow into being a well-adjusted adult. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've also recently substituted out the word obedient for the word cooperative because it just makes so much more sense. Yeah, exactly. You know, because, because <laughs> obedient implies that you must do what I say. I'm the authority and cooperative yeah. is like, Neither one of us really know what we're doing. Let's figure this thing out together, right? <laughs> and you know what you said about, I meant to say this earlier, when you said about uh, a baby crying, there's an episode in Friends, oh, it's over 20 years ago now, Freddie Prince Jr. is the male nanny, the manny, um, with Ross and Rachel. And he says about crying, that's a good thing because it's letting the boo-hoos out. Oh, brilliant. It is brilliant. Brilliant. That is uh, I think that's a, that's a fantastic thing. And, you know, this, this idea, like you said, you know, a, a baby kind of needs or wants something. So I think it's a, it's a fear. The fear kicks in. Well, sure. I mean, imagine if we went into a restaurant or if, you know, your, your internet went out because my internet got, got replaced and you called up the internet company and you said hey i'm really hungry i'd like to order some food or you called up the internet company and said hey my internet's not working and you were met with stop complaining stop crying just just sit down shut up i don't have time for you right now you yeah. know when really? really all i'm doing is expressing something that i need and i think that by by squashing that in little little kids we're teaching them to be people pleasers yeah that's not what we want not at all and not what the world needs Definitely not. Definitely. Definitely not. Um, to that point, um, we, we know that, that a, a positive role model is essential. We all aspire to be positive role models for our kids. How do you, in your words, define what a positive role model is? Oh, yeah. Um, respect for 
everyone. I think that's really important. Uh, and man has come along with that, of course. Um, positive speaking um, and asking for support. I think that's an important thing. And um, the working hard thing, I, I meant to say earlier, just because something's hard doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I try and say that um, to my boys as well. Um, showing um, love and respect and appreciation. Appreciation is a massive thing. Um, so the boy, I think our, we're fortunate. Our boys understand um a lot of the time what we do for them so that's mm -hmm. good so that they uh, understand and appreciate that um and kindness try and do that and i say try because i'm always trying i'm never getting stuff right you can ask my wife uh, i'm trying but i think those are the, the the important things of a positive role model um and and trying as well trying to balance that um not spoiling children Christmas is a great example. Mm -hmm. My wife and I both didn't have any uh, anything when we were growing up. We didn't. Uh, I certainly didn't have money. Um, but now that we're a bit fortunate, um, sometimes we can treat them. But we're trying to balance that so we uh, we don't just spoil them. And they know, and they start to save money now. So that's really good. Uh, they know that you, you have to work for your money, uh, and it's you know it's really difficult because they watch YouTube videos of young guys having fun driving around in Lamborghinis or smashing Lamborghinis up. And there's millions of views on these videos. Mm -hmm. And the danger for me is that they're going to think that that's normal. Fortunately, they don't. But we're in a world where we don't know what's real most of the time now when we see it on social media, um, especially with AI kicking up more and yeah. more. But um, trying to get that balance right and... Um, so they know value and uh, things and not just money, but um, value in kindness and friendship. I think they're the things that we're trying to spread for positivity. I love that you're on the, that you're said that about showing appreciation and kindness. Cause that's, that's at the core of what, of what I want to do as a dad is, is compassion. Right. And, and, yeah modeling compassion toward him modeling kindness and and i think that that goes along with creating an environment where a kid knows his his own worth or their own mm. worth yeah um one of the things that is pretty common in my house that um would have never flown with most of the people that i know that are my age is if my wife or myself say something or act in a particular way toward my son and there's any element of frustration or or it comes across as upset or anything like that he will absolutely not hesitate to say that wasn't kind the way you said that and to be called and and like the initial response still is like what do you mean it's not kind why are you in, in it's you want but like he's right you know yeah he's right in so many cases like that well, the and, truth hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. Because if we'd have said that, that backhand would have come. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it would have been, well, my, fortunately for me, you're talking about the backhand. One of the things that that my mom told me when I was real young, because I, I never got spanked that I can remember. Um, 
I don't think I did, but she told me that a promise she made to herself, I was early teens when she said this, is that she would never smack, backhand, slap across the face any of her children the way that she was. Right. And so she, they like broke that. And so I didn't grow up with that. But what would have happened had I told my mom she wasn't being kind, um, because this is something I don't think she was even aware of, is it would have gone guilt trip. Yeah. Gone, oh. well, I do I do all of this stuff for you and you're not appreciative of it. And, you know, I, I in a lot of ways, wasn't taught how to be appreciative of it. Mm. So, um, yeah. But wow, that's an interesting one. Yeah. But but my job here is to, like, not be affected by that personally and say, is he telling the truth? Is this correct? Because sometimes he'll say you're not being kind. And and I'll ask him, am I not being kind? Or do you just not like what I'm saying? Because mm. I said it's time to stop doing this and go do the thing that you don't really want to do. See, we're not, I don't think I have had or really have the capacity to think about what you've just asked. Is it being kind or is it, I just don't like it. I don't know. I can't think, you know what I mean? I, I can't, I can't deal with that. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so interesting. You know, a, a, a client of mine said a few years ago, we're talking about parenting and he said something that stuck with me. He said, just don't take it personally. And you just said about personally. And I was like, God, what? He's right. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and when, when we can reframe things that way, we really, and, and not take it personally and realize this isn't me against you. This is yeah. us figuring out what's right. best for both of us. Really? How yeah. can I be a better dad? And by being a better dad, help you be the, the best kid that you can be. Yeah. Um, One of the things um, I just like to mention as well is that um, this idea of changing our minds I wonder if most people are still stuck in this idea that no, you've made your mind, you stick with it. But, but that's not the case anymore. I don't think we're allowed to change our mind or our thoughts on something. I think maybe because we're uh, learning in a, in a certain way, or maybe we're maturing. I'd like to think I am, but because of any of those things, that may mean that we change our thoughts or our mind on something um what do you think of that i want to be sure that i'm clear on what you're saying um change your mind you're not saying this in reference like hey matt let's go meet for lunch where do you want to go let's no. go to the barbecue place no i've changed my mind let's go to the pizza place what you mean yeah. is reprogramming your mind to think and 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 emote differently so that you literally become a different person yeah right? i think so and and one example that <clears throat> as a reference, but not to get into, like if you're voting for someone in a certain political party and you've done it for so many years and maybe your family's done it for so many years, but you learn something different and you go, nah, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to go this way. Right. Or, and it could be anything, religion, uh, job, whatever. I think it's okay to change your mind on something. I think... Yes, it's not only okay, but I think that that if we shine the light of self-awareness on it, and I I think that any belief that we have should stand up to scrutiny, and mm. if it doesn't stand up to scrutiny, we should abandon it, right? I think that if, 
um, does does whatever this belief or this value that I have actually improve my life or does it help me in in some way? You know, um, yeah. and if it doesn't, then what will? And and it's the difference between and am I am I intentionally and consciously looking at the world around me, looking at myself and deciding how I want to navigate my life? Yeah. Or is it like, well, that's just the way I've always been. And you exactly. Know, yeah. I, I wish I could change, but I can't. You know, you can. see, I was thinking that that um, you know, that that kind of phrase that you hear where you've been doing it the same way and nothing's changed. Well, right. now you look really stupid. So we've all got the ability to change um ourselves and things. Um so if it's if you continue being miserable, <laughs> maybe change a little bit. Yeah, and, then... well, and and that's at the core of the the whole reason that I started doing this show and all the work that I've been doing. It's like there are so many guys that I talk to that see things coming out of them that they don't like in yeah. in relation to their kids, especially you know, within contexts, but not just that, like anywhere in their lives. And, and like, I don't know why I'm doing this. You know, like I had a guy that, um, that he had promised his son, this, this was before I started doing advancing man project. Was, this was just the, the general personal development stuff. Got on a call with him, said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm not good today. And well, what happened? And he said, yesterday I had promised my son who was like five at the time that I would go to his soccer game. And it was after work. And I was on the way out the door and I checked the phone, got an emergency email, said, I, I can wrap this up in a, in, you know, a couple of minutes, goes back in the office. 45 minutes later, he's still oh. not done. And he calls home and he says, tells his wife, put, put the boy on the phone and kick us on the phone. And he says, buddy, I'm really sorry. Something came up at work. I'm not going to be able to make your soccer game. And the kid, rather than being disappointed, replied with, oh, that's okay, daddy. You never come to any of my games. I'm used to it. I'll see you when you get home. Hands oh. on back to mom and goes on about his business. He was gutted, right? Because not only had he, had he failed his son, let him son down, it was normal. And what was expected of him as his son. And he's like, Dave, I got to do something about this yes. because my dad used to do that same thing and I hated it. And yeah. I don't want to be that guy. And that was kind of at the, at the core of me starting to, to go into the direction that I went with it. So yeah, he did it. He, he switched things around. Yeah. And I hope that you would look back at that email and go, fuck it. That could have waited till tomorrow. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Did. He did. But it was, it was, he was, his identity was wrapped up in being what, uh, what I now call the absent provider, like the, the, the dad role of like, oh. my, job, my job is to go make money and you have food and you have a roof over your head. And, and that is the extent of my, my role as a dad, because yeah. my dad didn't do anything else other than that, you know, and, and to change your mind, as you said earlier, it, it just requires awareness first and then a willingness to be uncomfortable. But I mean, there it, it still comes <clears throat> down, I think, to balance, doesn't it? You've sure. got to get that. You've got to strive to get that balance right. So, for example, um, a date night. Yeah, you want to spend time with the children, of course, but a date night's in, important and you've, you know, for for your your relationship um and then appreciating that showing that appre trying to get your children to appreciate that 
because they start to understand that it's important for their parents to have separate time and whatever. Um, and the balance of work and and being there for your children right. is, is really important. And like I say, I never get it right. And um, but sometimes just being just being there is important, whether you're being involved with what they're doing. And I think it stems from the fact that I heard someone say um, when they were a child, they remember our parents just being there. And that was important for them as as opposed to the alternative. Yeah. Yeah, I think the balance is so key. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's cool with you. I want to move into rapid fire round and then we'll wrap this thing right. up. Does it sound good? Yeah, sure. Um, the way yeah. I like to do this, I've got a list of questions. I'm going to fire them off. Whatever comes off the top of your head, um, right. you give the answer and we'll just move on from there. Okay. Good? Okay. Yep. Um, what is one useless talent that you have? Uh, goodness. Useless talent. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I can put a pint glass in my mouth and used to be able to down the drink. That's That was useful 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Um, share a personal mantra or belief that you are determined to pass on to your sons. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, always ask someone how they are. I don't know. Okay. I, could, I guess that's a kind of role with manners and respect. Yeah. Um, favorite holiday? Uh, Mexico, Cancun, Mexico, two years ago. That's funny. Um, I meant holiday in the sense of how an American. Oh, would <laughs> sorry. Not. <laughs> oh, got you. Favorite holiday. Uh, Christmas. Let me let me speak American. What is your favorite holiday to celebrate versus what is your favorite vacation spot? But that's a good one. I'm going to write that one down. Sorry. Your favorite um, vacation spot for next for the next guest. Oh, man, what a stupid British idiot. Um, <laughs> Christmas. Because never used to like Christmas, uh, but Lid's always been a fan of Christmas, and so I started to like it a lot more and love it now. And Christmas just gone went really, really quickly, and I wish it was Christmas again. In fact, I said to Lid on Saturday, I want to have a Christmas roast dinner, uh, roast turkey dinner. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, why don't we do it? Every, why do we just have turkey once or twice a year? It's crazy. Um. Similar, similar to that this is something that we do we celebrate half birthdays oh. yeah it, it's 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 like the smaller version of the birthday so like when uh what is it march or april whenever that rolls around liam knows his half birthday's coming up and we'll go like last year we went mini bowling and it was just like we took the day off and we just did birthday stuff half birthday stuff so isn't that like the royal family like the queen used to have two birthdays a year didn't she i don't know i'm not british i should know that <laughs> Um, and so your favorite vacation spot was Cancun. That's good to know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was great. <laughs> yeah, we it was not the favorite spot, but we had a great time there, and that's all I can think of. Yeah, we went to we went to Cancun last year, and it was great. Um, Liam was very happy to learn how to speak some Spanish. Um, cool. Um, if you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would you have? Oh, yeah, beauty. Uh, 
spaghetti bolognese. No, mm. peanut butter. Peanut butter, not spaghetti bolognese. Bolognese is my favorite, but um, I think I'd get bored of it. Peanut butter. Peanut butter is it's never a bad time for peanut butter. I agree. All right, throw me your best dad joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Knock, knock. Who's there? Chooch. Choo-choo. What, are you a train? That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I got one for you. Your your boys are old enough that, that this will go with a knock knock. Who's there? I eat mop. I eat mop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing that down. Yeah, please do. Um, uh, brilliant. I um I have a video somewhere of a friend of mine from when and, and he's from Belfast and. I got a video of him going, I eat my poo. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, what was another question here? 12 months from now, one year from now, after everything that we've talked about with you knowing that you are are aware of becoming a better man, becoming a better dad, all that sort of stuff, what does awesome look like in your growth a year from now? How are you better off? Or how, how, is, how are things improved? More relaxed, more patient. Um, more, I don't know, more round, uh, relaxed, patient. I don't know, just relaxed and patient. I was going to say more rounded as a dad, but that doesn't really mean anything. So re relaxed and patient, um, happy. When you said started to say around it, I thought about what you said earlier about balancing things. So is, is that where you're headed with that? I think so, but then I, I thought that was a bit kind of vague. But um, yeah, I'll take that. I, I, I always think of balance. I think it's important. I don't know how this one's going to go over with you growing up in England, but I'm going to ask it. David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar? Got no idea who any of those are. <laughs> David Lee, no, what was the first one? David Lee Roth? David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar. Which one? I'm going to say Sammy Hagar because my younger half-brother is called Sam. Who is he? Um, they were both singers for Van Halen. Okay. The rock band, Van Halen, from the United States. They were, like, real big in the 80s. <laughs> 80s and 90s. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Maybe I should have went with, like, Deep Purple or Led Zeppelin or something. I don't know. Led Zeppelin, I would have, yeah, Robert Plant. Yeah, but they only had one singer, so can't really do that. <laughs> um, and then um, the last one here, what is a cherished family tradition that either you inherited and want to pass on or you've created and want to pass on to future generations? Nice. Um, yeah, one thing we like to do is... Um, Uh, putting the Christmas tree up. So, obviously, being here in in the US, Thanksgiving, that's not something we have in the UK. So, Thanksgiving and it's, is on the Thursday. On the Friday, we get our Christmas tree, and the tradition is to decorate the tree. Now, I don't get involved decorating the tree apart from uh, the boys put the star on the tree alternate years. So. Um, that's a nice thing. And the reason I don't get involved in the tree decoration is because I like to watch my wife and the boys do it. And um, Christmas music on, I usually have a drink. 
I think that's a good tradition that we've kind of created um, not, just kind of naturally. Um, I remember Christmas Eve, we'd get to open a small present and the boys have started to do that as well. Um, so I think I think it's focused around Christmas. That's a nice thing. That's good stuff. I like it. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, um, thank everybody you. Everybody that's listening. Um, thanks for listening. This has been a good one. I've, I've enjoyed catching up with you. So um, Yeah, likewise. It's been loads of fun and, and really kind of thought-provoking. And um, the awareness has increased just by saying awareness and yeah. um, listening to you and, and, and I really enjoyed that opportunity. And, and I hope it's uh, helpful. Um, I'm certainly going to think about what we've talked about and I try and apply um, being better. I like that. I have no doubt that you'll do it. All right, well, everybody. Thank thanks for listening. That's all I got yeah. for you today. We'll see you on the next episode.